Now, the book of James, we, uh, we're in our third week. We're kind of closing it down. We could have done, you know, about 10 weeks in the book of James. I'd suggest that you read it through and through, five chapters. It can take you, some of you, only about 10 minutes. Others will take you about 10 hours, but that's okay. You scholars have to take a lot of time, but there's a lot of meat in James, a lot of challenge in James, a lot of practical application of the Word of God. And we shared with you about trouble the first week, that trouble comes to everybody, but it can have a positive effect on us. It can build our faith and endurance. It can also mature us. Trouble matures us. I figured out, how many of you people over 60 realize that trouble has a way of maturing you? And it really does. And then last week we talked about temptation, how it comes to everybody. And we showed you in the Bible, in the book of James, where it really comes from. Most temptation comes from within us, like it lures us, and then when we give into it and we allow sin to grow because we can either allow it to grow or we can stop it from growing. If we allow it to grow, it causes sin in our life uh, to, to grow, and when that uh, comes to fruition, we see death separation from God. Today, we want to talk to you about living faith. You know, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The justified people shall live by faith. Another place in the Bible, it says we do not live by sight or feelings, but we live by faith. And so it takes faith to live for God and it takes living faith. And we're going to kind of contrast that today out of the book of James. We'll start in James chapter two in verse 14 today, where James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters? So he's talking to the church. He's talking to the ecclesia, the called out ones. He said, what good is it if someone claims to have faith? but has no deeds, has no work to prove it. That's what he says. He asks a question. He's like in a debate here. And he says, uh, can such faith save them? And then he gives an, an idea. He says, suppose, just suppose that a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does not or does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? So he's just supposing this. Suppose you see somebody that needs some clothes or some food, and you just speak to them and say, be clothed, be fed, be warm. He said, what good does that do? He said, it doesn't do any good. He said, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's a powerful statement. Matter of fact, these statements have caused a lot of uproar in over many, many, many years. But let's just read it like it is, that last verse. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. Now let me step away from that for a moment and talk to you about being saved by faith. Okay? So let, let, let's kind of try to nail this thing down at the beginning so that we don't uh, be stuck in that verse all this message. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Let me stop right there. By grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor, God's mercy, God's I could have judged you and put you in hell. However, I'm having mercy on you and extending grace to you. You are saved by grace. By grace. Don't forget that. Through faith. You have to have faith to be saved. I mean, you have to believe in God. You have to believe that he is. You have to believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You've, you've got to have faith in God. You've never seen him. 
You may have never really spoken to him, but you've got to believe that he is and that he rewards people who seek him. So you have to have faith. So grace comes through faith. He said you're saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Romans 3.23 says that, that the, the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the gift of God is Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life. So he said, it is a gift of God, not by works. So you can't be saved by doing works. You can't give money, give time. You can't give of your energy. You can't, you know, you can feed the poor and still not, not be saved. You can do foundations for crippled people and you're still not saved. You can do all these things, but you're still not saved. He said, it's not by works so that no one can boast because if, we did it by works, we would boast in God's eyes and say, we did this thing. He said, it's not by that. He said, for we are God's handiwork. Now, now get this next few words. Created in Christ Jesus. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. In Christ, you are saved as you are in Christ. We are victorious in Christ. And we do good works in Christ. We have been created in Christ, a new creation, not the old van, the new van. The old van was lost and separated from God. The new van came by grace through faith, and now he is a born-again Christian. And because of that, I've been created in Christ to do what? I've been created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Outside of Christ, my good works mean nothing. I mean, it's good for humanity. It's good to help somebody. It's good to do those things. Social things are good. But if you want it to count for God, you have to be in Christ. Because there are people who are not in Christ, who are doing magnificent works for humanity, but it doesn't count anything in reward from God. Are you, are you, do you get it? If you got it, shake. If I see the majority of you doing this, well, some of you got it. I'll take that. That's enough. Okay. <clears throat> so let's talk about lifestyles of faith. Let's just, let's just look at it here. And I, I wanna, I'm just going to kind of use a few verses. Then we're going to stay in James. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, examine yourselves. Not somebody else. It didn't say examine somebody else. It said examine yourself. Not your spouse, not your children, not your, not your mother-in-law. Come on now. And surely not the person sitting on the side of you. Look at the person on the side of you. I don't know how to do this, but look and say, I'm not examining you. Just say, I'm not examining you. He says to examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. So you have to examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So you have to examine yourself to make sure that you're in faith, that you're living in faith. And so now let's just look at a, a couple of lifestyles of faith, kind of contrast these things. First of all, there's the lifestyle of faith that is dead. Let's just tackle this thing right now. James chapter two, verse 17, he says, in the same way faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Did you know that faith is a public matter? I've heard people say over the years, oh, faith is a private thing, it's just between me and God. No, it's not just between you and God. Faith is a public matter. 
It's for the public to see. Uh, it, it's something that God says, you know, I want, it, I want it to be known. Good works have to be seen. Faith has to be seen. And sometimes faith is just lip service, not lifestyle. Isaiah the prophet was keen on this when he said, you know, my people prophesying in the name of God, my people draw close to me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. You know what lip service is. Lip service is when your boss is out of the office, you got your feet cocked up playing Candy Crush. <laughs> and when you hear the alarm go off, you know how when you walk in the door, it goes beep, your feet hit the floor, your, your, your hand hit the keys. That's lip service. And the same thing with God, it's like lip service. It's like, like, like it's not a lifestyle, it's just lip service. You know, it's just here I am. Yeah, yeah, Lord, but I don't do what you say. You, you see, faith, or this lifestyle, the life, lifestyle of faith, it, it's not an, of an event-oriented thing. It's not just doing an event. It's a lifestyle. It's normal life every day. Religion is, a, is an event-oriented lifestyle. But a relationship with God is, is alive every day. I'm glad that I'm, I don't just breathe on events, but that I breathe every day. You know, it's good that you breathe every day, you know, within the normal course of life. And, and faith is not a Christian task list, a to-do list. Oh, check off my Bible reading, check off my prayer, check off my benevolence, check off, I got it done, okay, good. It's not that, it's a living, breathing thing, it's not dead. Also, this lifestyle of dead faith is like leaves with no fruit. One day Jesus was walking down the street. He was hungry. He went to a fig tree in the season that there should be figs on the tree, and there were no figs there, so he cursed the tree. Next day they came by, and the tree was all withered up. Man, blew their mind. I mean, Jesus just said, be withered up if there's no fruit. In other words, what good is a fig tree with no fruit? I can tell you what good it is. No good at all because I have one at my house. I planted this fig tree, you know? I thought, man, cool, figs. I hate figs. Jan loves figs. I'll plant a fig tree. Been there about four or five years. I got about three little purple bent over, shriveled up little figs. Somebody told her that we need two fig trees. So they kind of made. I don't know anything about figs. Nothing. All I know is that my fig tree, I might as well curse it because it ain't pretty. Ain't nothing pretty about a fig tree, in case you're wondering. I mean, you know, maybe you tree lovers think there is, but it's just sprawled out all over and just, it's just a nasty tree. And that's how our life can be. It's just a tree with no fruit. Just leaves, no fruit. What does it mean? It means that I can have all the trappings of Christianity, but no fruit. I got my fish bumper sticker on the back of my car. With my Bible on the dashboard, come on, I'll shrivel up and sunburn. I got my cross on my, around my neck here. I got my Northwood bumper sticker, I mean a license plate, you know what I mean? And if I'm real spiritual, I got it on my back glass, you know what I'm talking about? I got all the trappings of Christianity. I got the latest CD from the latest band. I got everything, man. You look at me, I got it, but I have no fruit. And Jesus said, I'm not interested in your bumper sticker. And I'm not interested if you got 50 crosses hanging around your neck. Because he hung on one cross and that's enough. 
He's interested in whether or not there's going to be good works following our life, whether or not it's public displayed of what's going on. It, it's, it's, it's some people just really know what to do, but they just really don't do it. And we want more messages, but really and truly we've been educated far beyond our capacity to be, to be obedient. Far beyond our capacity to be obedient. Then there's the faith that is deceived. James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Now, it seems like he's kind of being sarcastic, but he, just, he says it. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Demons believe in Jesus because demons were with Jesus. Demon, uh, Satan believes in Jesus. He knows Jesus because he was with Jesus. I'm astonished that he tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He already knew what his answer would be. He knew Jesus. Jesus watched him fall from heaven like lightning. And here he says, if you believe in God, and that's just, I believe in God. He said, you, you've come on up to the level of a demon. That's really what he said. And that's powerful, but that's true. To just believe. Believing is an action word. It's believing in everything that God has to do with everything. It's embracing all of God, all of his characteristics, and his mission for mankind. It's having knowledge, but with no change. It's such a deceiving thing to have knowledge with no change, isn't it right? I mean, to know, to man, isn't that misery? to know what you ought to do and not be doing it. And anything, when you know you should apologize to your spouse, but you're not doing it, that is misery. It's so miserable. It, it, you feel like strangers, although you've been married for 20 years. You're in another room and you just can't, just can't walk through the doorway and say, you know what, I really messed up. You're miserable. You know what to do, but you're not doing it. It's having knowledge of God, but denying the power of God. Watch this. Knowledge alone puffs up. It really does. There's a difference between knowing and knowing. A big difference. You know, Adam knew Eve. How many of you would believe that he knew Eve? I mean, God put him to sleep and took a rib out of his side and created the woman, and when he presented the woman to the man, he said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Amen. He knew her, man, I mean, I mean, come on now, they knew each other. But then it says further in that same passage, it says, and Adam knew his wife, and she bare him a son. So what's the difference between knowing and knowing? The difference between knowing and knowing is one is that I know information and the other is that I know you more intimately. Isn't it amazing that right here in Genesis chapter one, the Bible says that God created male and female and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want to address just for a moment our Supreme Court decision Friday. Now, this is not a rant, so don't rant on Facebook. It's so ill to rant. It's so immature to rant and spew. But this is the church. God created in the beginning man and woman, male and female. As a matter of fact, all species, all of them, every animal is male and female. We were watching television before we came to church. 
about lightning bugs and their male and female lightning bugs. Why? To procreate. So God made male and female, man and wife, to marry one another, to know one another intimately in order to procreate this world. And when you put a male with a male, there cannot be procreation. When you put a female with a female, there cannot be procreation. And I don't care that we have come in science to such a place that we can take an egg out of a woman and sperm out of a man and put them inside a woman and create a human being. It does not change the fact that God created male and female. It will never be right no matter what happens in our nation. It will never be right. It will never be right. It will never be right. It's not an opinion, folks. This is not my opinion. My opinion is worth nothing. It's worth nothing. It's what God says. And when a nation, when a nation turns their back on God and says, we don't care what you say, and our president says, this is a great day for America, my heart broke in two. I'm not usually moved by political things, but that was different. This was not a great day for America. And this has nothing to do with hating homosexuals. And I do not have homophobia. I am not scared of homosexual people. But I know the truth. God created male and female. And that's that. Amen. That's that. That's that. Okay. There's a difference. You see, there's knowledge without change. And then there's no love for Jesus means no love for people. When it's just deceived faith, there's no love. Because truly loving Jesus equals truly serving people. It is just the way it is. And it's getting the heartbeat of Jesus and it's acting according to that with the heartbeat of Christ. It's moving in that same realm with him. So what he embraces, we embrace. What breaks his heart breaks our heart, you understand? We live in tandem with Christ. We're in the yoke with him. When he walks in a certain direction, we walk in that direction. No matter where that direction takes us, we move with him. Real faith does. Dead faith says no love for Jesus, not really. And then it, it's, it's rebellion with no repentance. Now watch this, folks. Deception comes in. Now, how many of you in this room, don't raise your hands, but I'm just going to tell you, it's all of you. All of you have rebelled against God. Every one of you. Me too. But there's a difference between rebelling against God and not repenting. Then rebelling against God and saying, you know what, God, I'm wrong. You're right. Please forgive me. Because God is always right. He's always right. You understand? And even if you think your wrong is right, doesn't make your wrong right. Your wrong is still wrong. <laughs> Did you get that? Because God is right all the time. If anybody's going to be wrong, it's me. It's on my side of the court where the error takes place, not with God. But rebellion, we need to repent. And repentance, you know what? Repentance takes humility and submission. That's what it takes. And so there's, there's dead faith, which is no faith at all. So you can't please God with dead faith. And then there's deceived faith, which says, you know, I, I know God as much as a demon. You want to go deeper than that. You want to intimately know him. And then there is dynamic faith. And this is where we want to land this thing today and finish up. The word dynamic, I put it on the board for you. The word dynamic means expressing action instead of a state of being. I love that definition. Put that in the, in the Christian context, folks, that we have an ex, we're expressing action instead of just a state of being. In other words, instead of just, I'm a Christian. See my bumper sticker. 
No, we say, no, no, no. Forget about my bumper sticker. And you can have it if you want. That's fine. I like them. They're all kind of funny little things, you know, little Darwin feet on the thing and a little X. I mean, they got all kinds. And they sell for a lot of money at the Christian bookstore. And so, you know, stimulate the economy with that. But you know what? Expression of action needs to take place in our lives rather than just state of being. It's no longer good enough just to say, I'm a Christian. Let's, let's just kick up the action here. You know, in other words, let's not have to have an event at church to express our faith. Although we're for that, we're going to serve groups, we're going to do things, we're going to do things together. Yes, 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 we'll do that because there needs to be leadership. But, but you know what? How about you do something by yourself? All by yourself, bless somebody. All by yourself, see a need and watch what's happened. In James chapter 2, verse 21, he gives an example. He says, was, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, don't kill the boy now. Now I know, now I know you really fear God because you would have sacrificed your boy. That's action right there. He's getting ready. For you who don't know the story, Abraham, the father of faith, he finally gets a son by promise. Him and, him and you talk about action, him and uh, his, his, his mama there, Sarah, I mean his wife, you know, his you know, his, his, his lady, his lady, you know, they're old. I mean, they're real old. They're like older than almost anybody in here. They're old and they're all dried up. And then God comes and says, you're going to have a son. And so Abraham says, well, uh, you know, whatever you say, Lord. And his wife just laughed about it. I mean, she was living with Abraham, so she just laughed about it. But you know what they did? They didn't just say, hey, well, we're going to have a son. They took action. You see, dynamic faith steps out. Know that the dynamic faith steps out. And so they had a son, and they loved Isaac. I mean, his name means laughter. They loved him. And then God, one day said, I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And so Abraham did that, had him on the altar, tied down, firewood underneath him, and had a knife, and was getting ready to stab him when the angel of the Lord said, now I know that you really fear God. Stop it. And all of that action was counted to him as righteousness. His faith proved that he loved God and would obey God to the nth degree. That is, that is living faith, dynamic faith, and that's faith that steps out. Now, you know, you, you, you want to stand up and live God's standards. That's standing up. Now, I'm not saying you got to get on the street corner and preach Matter of fact, don't get on the street corner and preach, okay? Ain't nobody going to listen to you anyway. Everybody's windows are up and their air conditioners on. They don't hear you. But watch this. There, there has to be a way where some of you take next steps and where you, you make your professions of faith. And we give it to you easy. And I'm just going to tell you right here within the church, you, if you can start taking steps in the church here, then you'll step outside of the church. Water baptism is one of them. This Wednesday night, if you've not been water baptized, you need to take a step. Your faith needs to step out and be baptized. You say, well, who needs to be baptized? Every person who has received Jesus Christ in their life and made him Lord and Savior needs to follow the Lord in water baptism. It's one of the first commandments that Jesus left the church. Water baptism. That means you to be dunked under water because it is an outward sign of an inward change. Did you hear that? An outward sign, an outward action of an inward change. So if you haven't been water baptized, or maybe you were baptized as a baby, and, and I want you to just examine yourself today before you go home in this place. Matter of fact, your message may stop right here for some of you and say, is my water baptism, did it count, is it real? 
Is it acceptable in the eyes of God or not? And if it's not, if you examine yourself, then you get online, go to northwood.tv slash baptize, and everything you need to know is right there for you. Water baptism. Maybe so some of you is to join a small group. I mean, you got you, you to step out of the closet. Come on now. Everybody's coming out of the closet. Everybody's coming out. How about we come out too? You know what I mean? How about we just step out of the closet? Hey, everybody, I've been saved. So with your family. Want to let you know, you wonder why we're acting weird. This is why. That's what Jan and I did. Come on now. <laughs> this is what happened to us. We're happy. You're not happy that we're happy, but we're happy. You join a small group, or maybe it's lead a small group. See, all these increments of faith, it's steps of action because dynamic faith steps out. Maybe it's tithing. Maybe some of you have feared to tithe because you don't, you don't understand. Now, nah, boy, I saw you. Man, look, it was like a ripple went through. It's like, boy, everybody went, whoa, tithe. You know, tithing is a test of faith, by the way, whether or not you truly trust God or not. That's, it's just so plain. Let's reduce it to the, the small thing. It's an act of obedience to Christ by faith. We gave by faith many years, Jan and I. I mean, it was like we had nothing, bro. I cried at the kitchen tables and we can't get no fried chicken tonight or nothing. We, I ain't ate fried chicken, Popeye's fried chicken. Crying tears, a grown man. We had nothing. But we never missed a tithe in 35 years. And God has been faithful. He teaches you things as you live by faith. Man, come on now. Let your faith be tested in Jesus' name and see what happens. You know, you just tithe. You just say, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean, Lord? It's what you say, I'm going to do it. Abraham was the first man to tithe. You can read it in the book of Genesis. And then serving in the local church. These are all steps that we help you. you know, join a team, get going, and start showing the results that I am saved. Start serving. Remember, if you love Jesus, you'll serve people. That's how it's translated. It's not just I love you, 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 I love you. It's what I'm going to do with why I love you. What I'm going to do with the power. So faith steps out. Number two, dynamic faith will speak out. And some of you have been waiting to get to here because you like to speak out. Dynamic faith speaks out. James 25 here. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Ahab I mean, Rahab was a, was a prostitute in the city of Jericho, which was the first city that Joshua and the children of Israel, after they crossed the River Jordan, it was the first city they conquered in the name of the God of Israel. And so Joshua sent two spies in there to spy out what was going on, and they were found out, and they were being chased, and this prostitute stopped them and hid them. And she said this, she said, I'm going to hide you because we know what your God is all about. We know what your God has done. We heard what he did with the Red Sea. We heard what he did with Pharaoh's army. And so look, hide right here. So she hid them. When they came to ask, she said, I don't know where they are. I think they went over there. They went over there and she let them go out the other way. All of that, she was shown to be righteous. Was that an action? Did she speak out? Oh, yes, she spoke out. As a matter of fact, her speaking out, the faith that she put in, in the God of Israel saved her whole family because those two men said, here's a scarlet ribbon. I want you to take this ribbon, this cord, tied in your window. And when we come to take this city, because we will take it, we will spare you and everybody in your house. And sure enough, when they took the city, they spared Rahab the harlot and her family. The cord is a type and shadow of Christ. 
when you see the blood the, the, over the doorpost, when you see the, the, the cord in the window, when judgment comes to the city, those that are under the blood of Jesus are saved. That's what that means. And then we find Rahab, watch this. You say, well, what happened to Rahab? Well, she was found in the lineage of Jesus. David's great-grandfather, Boaz, was birthed by Rahab. So let me tell you something what God will do. You step out in faith, you never know what God will do with your life. I mean, Rahab was one of the lowest of lowest of people, but yet she rose to one of the preeminent places in Scripture. She's found in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. She's found in Genesis. She's found in Matthew. Now she's found in James. Because she obeyed God, because she feared God, because her faith was dynamic and she spoke out. You see, your best service, you say, what's the best thing I can do? What is the greatest thing I can do on the earth? The greatest thing that you can do on the earth is share your story with somebody who's never heard a story. That's your greatest thing. See, now, you may not know how to preach. You may not memorize scripture. You may not can get in a pulpit and preach, but you can sit down across a cup of coffee and share with a friend who's in trouble about what Jesus has done in your life, if Jesus has done something in your life, because the Holy Spirit will take that, and guess what he'll do? He'll birth something in their heart. It'll be a seed of faith in their heart. And it doesn't have to be fancy. As a matter of fact, it should not be fancy. It should just be, hey, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. That's simple. Folks, can you do that? Can you step out in faith and start sharing your, your, your story? And if you can't share your story, can you bring people to church? This July... Starting next week, we've got a uh, NC Kids special summer deal that we're doing in our children's ministry, and we're, we're telling the kids to invite their friends. Well, why don't you just go with your kid, and when they invite their friend, you invite their friend's parents and say, while they're back there, you can come sit with me, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. You're afraid. You're afraid to share that with people. You shouldn't be afraid. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the only way out of this dilemma we find ourselves in. We are in a corner, and he is the only hope. And you have that treasure in an earthen vessel. You have the answer to the woes of all of mankind living on the inside of you. And all you have to do is speak out. You can pray for people. There's a man in our community walks in Sam's three days a week. He just walks around, gets exercise, and then he just prays for people. And sometimes he asks people if he could, he could pray for them. And he said, in all the years he's been doing it, not one person has ever turned him down. Not one. Not one. Now, you may not walk around Sam's. As a matter of fact, can you imagine 100 people walking around Sam's? No. But that's what he does. It's just an example. It's an example. He doesn't need a pulpit. He doesn't need a, a group. He doesn't need a team. He's just blessing people. The third thing about this dynamic faith, steps out, speaks out, and you know what? It works out. Because every one of you in this room, you have three things. I know you have these three things. You have time, you have talents, and you have treasures. And those three things have been given to you to help somebody. Now, let me say this. If you can't help somebody, you can't help them. If somebody needs $500 and you don't have $500, you can't help them. So don't get on the guilt trip. I've had to help people get off of guilt trips because they couldn't meet a need and they were all down on themselves and depressed. You don't want to do that. But if you can, would it be good to do it? A couple of weeks ago, somebody handed Jan a $100 bill, somebody in the congregation, just $100, said, uh, bless, you, bless your family or something like that. And, well, we don't need $100. 
We can buy fried chicken now right out of our own pocket whenever we want it. But watch this. So we got this $100. We don't need it. So we, we're in my office after service. And we said, we're going we're gonna to give this to somebody. I mean, you know, somebody needs a blessing. And I looked out my, my window and walking away from the church into the back parking lot was a, a grandmother in our church, a single grandmother holding the hand of her grandchild. And we said, that's who we're going to give it to. So I hollered her name out. She came walking up and we just gave her a hundred dollars and said, look, hey, just want to bless you with this. And she broke down weeping, just weeping. And you know what? Right then I realized, I said, you know what? I think God knew from the foundational world that that moment in time that that woman would need that money and they, he laid it on that person's heart to give it to us. And because he's blessed us because we tithe and we're obedient, we can buy our own fried chicken. We didn't need the $100. Come on now. And we blessed that woman. That's just, that's a simple act. It's so simple. I was walking out of Home Depot Friday afternoon and I saw a dollar on the, on the pavement, a dollar. So strange to see money on the ground. Isn't that, isn't that strange? Anything else, you know, but I, so I picked it up. I mean, it was just a dollar. You know, I don't need a dollar, but, but there was a little, a little lady pushing her, her, her son in a buggy, so I just went and gave him the dollar. It, did that move the universe into a new cycle? No. But I tell you what, if you won't give a little kid a dollar that you find on the ground, you may not bless somebody with $100 or $1,000 when God blesses you with it. So you need to exercise your faith because as you exercise your faith, God will bless you more and more. Help somebody. Give time to somebody. Man, some of you can bless some people. Some of you can teach young kids to sing. You can teach children to play instruments. Come on, you can do that with your talents. You have the talents. You've got the treasures and you have the time. Share your giftings with other people. Sit with an elderly person. Come on now. Go to the nursing home, sit with an elderly person, help a homeless man get into an apartment and fix it up. That's what one of our, one of our share groups are doing, one of our, our life groups are doing, one of our serve groups are doing. I saw pictures of him, I thought, you know, this guy must be on cloud nine. You're homeless and now you've got a group of people helping you get this apartment ready and furnish it. It's like, wow. Now, don't you think that that man sees the action of the church rather than just somebody barking at him how bad he is? Action, dynamic faith stands up and steps out. It speaks out words of life and it works out. James chapter two, verse 26. He kind of sums it all up. He says, as the body without the spirit is dead and that's exactly what happens. Jesus was on the cross and the Bible says he gave up his spirit and he died. When the spirit leaves the body, is when the body is dead. And he says, so faith without deeds is dead. I want to be part of a church that's alive in faith. Come on now. It doesn't always have to be orchestrated. Good when it is, we need help, we need leadership. But on the other hand, all that is to spin off a dynamo in your life that says, I can do this thing. I want to close with Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 out of the message paraphrase for you. Paul says, what I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive 
before God. That's the kind of faith that Jesus wants us to have. Let's bow our heads together real quick right here at this moment in time. Right here, right now, folks. Church, listen to me. It's a challenge. It's the word cha- James challenges us to our very core. So church, listen. There has to be action behind your faith. I'm expecting after this message to see all of you step to the next step in your life, whatever it might be. There's a whole bunch of people in this room, so I don't know everybody's life, but I will tell you this, that everybody has a next step. And you want to take that. You say, well, Pastor, tell us our next step. I just told you some. But you know what? I want you to seek the Lord and be sensitive before God that you find that next step. Even right now in this altar time, if you'll just begin to examine yourself and don't worry about anything else going on right now except just examining yourself to see if you're in the faith. Check to see if your faith is dead or deceived. Check to see if your faith is dynamic. Are you stepping out? Are you speaking out? And are you working out? And if you aren't, then do business with God right there. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to change your heart to open your eyes to the needs around you and what you need to do for his kingdom. Father, I pray for the church right now. God, I'm praying that our faith will come alive, that we'll see, Lord God, that you bless us for a reason, and that is to help other people. You're our source, Lord God, that never runs dry. We believe you. We thank you for touching our hearts today and speaking to us about our faith. Now, while you're just praying and doing business with God, I want to talk to maybe some other people in this room right now that you're not even connected to God. You know God. You know Him in the sense of knowledge about Him. But you haven't had revelation about Him. You don't know Him in a more intimate way. You don't know His character, His mind, how He operates. You really don't know Him personally. You just know Him as a historical figure but you've never, ever had a real encounter with God. Those are the people I want to talk to right now. And the way you do that is God has dealt to every man the measure of faith that is able to believe God for salvation. So if you're in here right now, this very moment, and you look at your life and you say, you know what, I'm not really connected to God. Maybe you were at one time, but not any longer. Could be a variety of different conditions in this room, but you know that you know deep in your heart That if Jesus sat down right on the side of you and put his arm around you and looked you in your eyes and asked you this simple question, do you really know who I am? And if you could not answer him eye to eye and heart to heart and say, Jesus, I do know you. Then you're in need of salvation. You're in need of forgiveness of your sin and of coming together with your God. And if that's you and you're in that place, I'm going to pray with you right now. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except open your heart to God because when it's all said and done, if the heart is not open to God, nothing can happen. But if you're sitting in that chair and you say, Jesus, I'm going to open my heart right now, just begin to do that. In other words, lay yourself wide open, humble yourself before God. 
And just begin to pray words like this, just simple words. Just repeat after me these simple words. Just say, Father in heaven, I am separated from you. I am a sinner. And I am lost. And I ask you to save me right now. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I will serve you for the rest of my life. Take me, Lord Jesus. I am yours today. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's thank the Lord right now. Come on. Come on, Pastor Casey. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van DeCody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv locations, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give. You can give a one-time donation or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.